Welcome to episode number 121, Mental Illness and Service Missions. I am your host, Damon Soka. Just a quick note that this is really a bonus edition, and the normal podcast that typically uploads on the weekend will be forthcoming. Service missions are a relatively new type of missionary service provided for those individuals whose medical history or disability does not allow for a typical proselyting missionary service. While service missions are not entirely isolated to those suffering with mental illness, today I am going to address just the mental illness portion of service missions and my own children's experience with them. Now, if you search the church's online site for service missions, you might find it just a little confusing if you're dealing with mental illness and you aren't sure whether you can serve a full-time proselyting mission. The process is not necessarily hidden, but it takes some understanding as to how to approach missionary service with a mental illness. If you know that you are afflicted or think that you might be and are wondering where to start, I can at least tell you our family's experience. The first is a proselyting missionary returning home, and the second is from this perspective of how to decide what type of missionary service makes the most sense for you, given your emotional illness. Now, however, before I walk through that process, let's really discuss service missions. Service missions in the past, and even currently in some circles within church membership, are viewed are not really viewed as real missions, or they are viewed more as secondary missions. This is not the view of the general authorities and senior leadership of the church. We see this in the more recent changes to missionary service, where service missionaries receive the same call from the prophet as do proselyting missionaries. Their calling is also recorded on the records of the church, just as a proselyting mission. Certainly their assignment will be closer to home, and their service will be within their own communities, but the call is the same. If you have any confusion about the difference between a call and an assignment, Elder Bednar made that distinction very clear in his talk upon the subject in 2017 called Called to the Work. I will leave that to you. What is important to note is that service missions are the same as proselyting missions in many aspects, and I think that it would surprise you to know just how many individuals come into the church through service missionaries. Beyond the service they provide, the church's visibility within communities they serve increases several fold. And they do a wonderful job of helping others to see Christ in their actions. Service within the missionary ranks is so important that it is actually part of the proselyting missionary requirements. Service missions are not in any way second tier. The call is the same, and the value they provide is significant. Yes, service missions might feel second tier for now within some church circles, but I suspect that in the future they will not be seen as such and that church service missions will become an increasingly important aspect of the church's service throughout many local communities. And there may even come a time when the blending of service missionaries and proselyting missionaries will occur. Of course, that is my personal opinion. Now, having said my piece concerning the standing and value of these missions, let's talk about how to approach the decision of whether to serve a proselyting mission or a service mission. Now, because my podcast is about mental illness, that will be my focus. But realize that any worthy member who is unable to serve a full-time proselyting mission may be eligible for a service mission. So you have arrived at this age of missionary service and you've been diagnosed or believe that you likely have some type of mental illness. Where do you begin when you need to make that decision between proselyting or a service mission? Now it's important to know what the church's website states about church service. And I'm going to repeat it. It states the following. 
all worthy young men and young women who have a desire to serve a mission and are felt to be capable of serving either a proselyting mission or a service mission, complete an online recommendation that is processed by their stake president. A stake president may honorably excuse a young man or young woman from missionary service if he is confident the candidate is incapable of serving either type of mission. The application for all missionaries includes evaluations by the bishop, the stake president, and medical professionals. The Quorum of the Twelve and General Authority 70s oversee the mission recommendation process. Now, a missionary candidate does not choose which type of mission he, will, he or she will serve. All applicants are considered first for proselyting missions. Young men and women who are unable to be called as proselyting missionaries for physical, mental, or emotional reasons are called as service missionaries. If an applicant is called as a service missionary, the service is tailored to the applicant's unique talents, skills, and gifts, and to the local environment. A stake president does not determine whether an applicant is called to a proselyting mission or a service mission. During the application process, stake presidents continue to provide information as requested by the missionary department. If a candidate will not be called to a proselyting mission, a representative from the missionary department will counsel with the stake president before a service call is issued. The stake president uses judgment to determine whether he should notify the applicant and family that a service mission call is forthcoming. On the application, bishops and stake presidents answer the question, does this candidate have a serious physical, mental, or emotional limitation that should be considered when assigned? Now, if the answer is yes, priesthood leaders will be asked to provide additional information. Priesthood leaders should also discuss with the candidate the possibility of being honorably excused. Now, as stated on the website, a person desiring to serve a mission will first interview with the bishop and stake president, and the missionary portal will be open for filling out the paperwork. The process is the same for the service mission as it is for proselyting missions. Now, I'm going to stop right here and talk a little bit about this process. It can be terribly unnerving for someone who has a mild to moderate mental illness really in any form, to fill out paperwork, thinking that they might have to serve a full-time proselyting mission. For my own son, the process was terribly difficult due to a moderate difficulty with general anxiety disorder. He struggled to fill out the paperwork while contemplating what it might mean for him to have to serve a proselyting mission. This can and will likely be true for almost all young men and women who deal with mental illness and who desire to serve. I will admit that the website does make it feel as though they may not have any choice in the matter, which ratchets up the anxiety levels and will often affect emotional swings. It is important to remember when filling out this paperwork that you will have some say in how you serve. While it is true that the final decision is made by church headquarters, they strongly consider the recommendations of the stake president, bishop, parents, and professionals that work with mental illness. If you know you are unlikely to be able to serve a proselyting mission due to mental illness, your discussions with your mental health professionals, bishop, stake president, and parents will help church headquarters to understand the concern, and the truth of the matter is that you will not be asked to do more than you are able. For the most part, all individuals with mental illness will be able to serve unless their illness is sufficiently severe that it is recommended by professionals that they do not, which I will admit is actually pretty rare. Service missions can be highly tailored to the individual and their needs, and that allows for almost everyone to serve. There are a couple of things that the bishop and stake president may not always know about how to approach your decision if you have mental illness. The first of these is that you will need 
an assessment from a licensed professional about your mental illness and its severity or the ways in which it affects your life. Normally, this needs to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist who has more training than your normal medical doctor and who can define what makes sense. If possible, this should be a professional that is familiar with the church or even works for the church's family services. If you don't have a licensed professional from a church in your area, then obviously you're going to need to find a professional that has a good understanding of church missionary service. I would recommend talking to your bishop and stake president. Often there are professionals living within your stake, or at least a close one, that they will know about and who they could trust to accomplish the evaluation. Your bishop and stake president may not even know that an evaluation is necessary, so you should bring it up in your interviews. Now, the assessment isn't going to tell you whether you should serve a proselyting mission or a service mission. He or she, the professional, may give recommendations as to what might make most sense, but the decision is going to be up to church headquarters based on the recommendations of the professional and your local leadership. My experience is, for the most part, they follow the recommendations of the professionals and your local leadership, who know you best. There are some things to consider when you are making this decision about missionary service. The first consideration is that most leadership will not have a good understanding of mental illness and what you can and cannot accomplish. Basically, the bishop and the stake president are going to be flying blind as to what you having a mental illness means, unless they've had some close personal experience with it. And even then, it can still be difficult. Almost all individuals afflicted with mental illness have become reasonably good at masking its effects to anyone outside of their close circles. So your leadership may not even know or suspect that you're working through a diagnosis and a treatment. So what does that all mean? You will need to educate them about your illness and what you what makes sense to you. You should be honest and forthright about your feelings, concerns, symptoms, desires, and your life. If you feel that a service mission might be best, then yes, you can explain this to your leadership. My experience, nothing good comes from hiding a mental illness in these cases, especially when you are considering missionary service. The second thing you should consider as part of your decision is how does your mental illness affect you currently? What are you able to accomplish and not? Now, we as human beings don't like being told we can't do something, and this is true even within our own minds. We like to think of ourselves as capable individuals. This is actually very important to our mental health. However, when you consider what you can and cannot do, you're going to need to consider some important factors about proselyting service and how these factors may affect your mental illness. Now, these are the factors you should consider. Uh, The removal of your immediate support system, changing environments, changing languages, changing the chemistry, climate and culture, increases in stress, significant increases in stress, continuous changes in relationships, continuous development of relationships, significant increases in mental and sometimes physical work, stressful schedules and goals. Now I could actually add several others, but these are really due for our purposes today. What you need to consider is not whether you could serve from your home where your mental illness has its habits, routines, and support. What you must consider is all the changes that will take place once you enter the proselyting mission field, and if your mental illness can handle the increases in environmental stress. That might be a tough question to answer if you've never really been away from home for any length of time or outside of your support system. Sometimes it might be necessary to stage a, what we would call a trial run, to see how your body and mind react to serious changes. If you can afford to go to a college, reasonable distance from home, okay, meaning you are far enough that you just can't run home for the day, 
then that might be the answer. I would also recommend some additional trials if you can do this. The first is to treat it, treat your illness similar to our treat the college experience similar to a mission in the sense of scheduling, calling home, schoolwork, establishing new relationships, meaning dragging a support system from home, such as close friends, would probably not really provide for a meaningful test. Setting goals for yourself regarding meeting new people, spiritual study, interacting with professors and others whom you do not know regularly, speaking publicly and teaching classes of individuals who are reasonably new to you. If you go to college, away from home, most of this will take care of it itself, except for maybe the purposeful scheduling spiritually study each day. If you cannot do something of this nature, then accepting a job out of state or other such activity could also substitute. What you are trying to accomplish is to place your mental illness in a similar condition as proselyting service and see how it reacts. However, that type of trial may not even be necessary for you. You may have serious depression, anxiety, bipolar, or any number of more serious mental illness symptoms that you recognize will probably not allow you to serve a proselyting mission. You don't always have to run a trial to know what you need to do. The Lord will help and can help with the decision. In our case, one of my sons deals with serious general anxiety disorder. As we work through the process with him, this is how I explained it to him. You should consider a proselyting mission and then see what makes sense. For him, even the thought of proselyting missionary service activated his anxiety so much that over time it really became obvious to him, local leadership, and us that a service mission might be the best option for his service. Through priesthood blessings, a psychological review with a professional, prayer, and discussions with the bishop and stake president, the local leadership recommended that he serve as a service missionary. Now, leadership at the church headquarters still made the final decision, but because my son was kept in that loop, his anxiety was better able to cope with the idea of missionary service. We also have two other sons who dealt with depression, and they went through the same processes, but with medications. They were actually able to serve proselyting missions to Arizona and Mexico without too many issues. So the answer to the question as to missionary service and mental illness is not always an easy one. And it doesn't always mean that you're going to serve a service mission. Many missionaries can serve with mental illness in the proselyting field. But the key to the decision needs to be open and honest communication with leadership and medical professionals. In my, own, in my experience with my own children, it is far better to accomplish a good evaluation up front rather than send someone out to see what happens. Returning early from missionary service still has a significant stigma attached to it within the church's culture, and it can be devastating emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. It can take years and even decades for individuals to come to terms with returning home due to mental illness. If the, if the individual can avoid this difficulty emotionally through upfront, honest discussions about mental health, they have a far better chance of healthy and rewarding service. Now, we also have a daughter who needed to return home due to serious depression that was not apparent before her mission. Understand that this happens far more frequently than you might think. Although I have only heard the statistics anecdotally, I believe that about 15% of missionaries return home due to mental illness in all its various forms. While some could not likely be avoided, I believe that many could avoid the suffering that follows an early return. I have a deep concern for individuals who return home early due to mental illness 
as I have seen personally how devastating it can be and is to them regularly and their families, and how often they become lost and confused about the entire event. Now, service missions can and do provide for an opportunity to continue to serve and provide a good method for transition back to home life if the returning missionary can continue to serve. Yes, they are still going to struggle mightily, but the service does provide some direction and opportunity while they work through the newfound mental illness difficulties. Understand the simple fact that if you returned home, the Lord allowed for it and called you home, and to finish your mission as a service missionary is not second tier. Because service missions are relatively new, many individuals, including local leadership, do not fully understand how they work. The first part of a service mission is that you will be called by the prophet. If you have, or if you have returned home, your call will be reassigned. Service missionaries are under the care of the stake president, in that he is your mission president, at least that is the current methodology. You will also have a, likely have a missionary couple assigned to help you with your service. They will be placed in charge of helping you to find service opportunities and all the legal concerns that go along with church service. You will not necessarily need to find your service opportunity unless you have some ideas. Church service can be very flexible depending on what you are able to do. They will, now these service missionary couples will also be in charge of portions of your skills, spiritual and emotional development during your service. The church provides materials for service missionaries that help them with study and service requirements. Your service will be fit to your abilities and capabilities and can be altered throughout the service to give you more or less hours of service depending upon your illness. <clears throat> church service missionaries will often serve from home and the couple helping you in your service will attempt to find you opportunities within your community or ones close to you. In addition to community service opportunities, the state president may assign you to wards to help with specific service needs. And if you have a temple close to you, you may serve as a you may serve a couple of shifts a week as a temple ordinance worker. The purpose of the service mission is to suit the service to your needs, both mentally and spiritually, and to develop your personal skill set. You will meet with your state president at least monthly, let's just call it regularly, by phone or in person, and you will be in regular contact with the missionary couple called to serve your stake. Obviously, there are going to be some restrictions on dating and other activities as you are called to serve as a missionary, but this will not prevent you from attending Singles Wards Institute and other types of activities. You will not have a companion, though. You will be called for the same length as a proselyting mission, or if you've returned home, your calling will be the remaining time left on your mission. Know that service missions can be up to 24 months, but maybe shorter, depending upon the needs of the individual. Personally, what I have found with my own children is service missions are very beneficial to a variety of people. And interestingly enough, just being in the community with a missionary tag doing service provides a host of proselyting opportunities. Service missionaries also can attend discussions with proselyting missionaries. They have unique abilities to help where proselyting missionaries may not at times. My personal belief is that we need far more of them to serve in our communities. Proselyting missionaries can only do so much based on their missionary restrictions, where service missionaries can provide, can provide and be far more flexible in their abilities to provide unique service within their community, not only raising awareness of, of community needs, but also awareness of the church and its mission, and of course the Savior. Now I have seen miracles come of my own children's service, and I know of the inspired nature of these callings. Certainly, they should not be considered second tier, and given the development of service missions over the last several years, 
I would expect it to grow significantly. But what is most important about this service is that you can serve the Lord with the same call and help those around you to come unto Christ. However, now this is my personal opinion. I'm going to repeat that. This is my personal opinion. I believe that sometime in the future, service missionaries will eventually be blended with the proselyting missionaries and under the direction of a mission president and a service mission couple. But for me, and personally, that's probably for a future day. May the Lord bless you in your service and your decisions and your weakness, that you may find joy wherever you are called to serve. Now, may you do your part so that the Lord can do His. Now, I hope that my brief introduction has been beneficial to you. If you have questions, I'm always open to answer them, uh, generally by email, which I have shared regularly, regularly, which is dtsocha at gmail.com. Until next week.